Welcome to this week's Point Community Church Sunday Sermon. If you'd like to learn more about the Point Community Church, please visit our website at tpcc.org.au. Please keep your Bibles open to John chapter 11. As Steve said, uh, it's no accident that we're in this passage today. In God's providence, we're looking at John chapter 11. And in light of this week's events, I hope that it will be a comfort to you this morning. John chapter 11 is the last and climactic sign in the Gospel of John. It's unique. It's a story that does not appear in the other Gospels. It's not recorded in Matthew, Mark or Luke. Only John has this account. And it's a beautiful story, isn't it? As Jesus' relationship with his family is so strong. Um, I don't know if you ever had a second family, a a kind of an adopted family, a family that felt like a home, a home away from home. Here is Jesus and He loved this family, verse 5. He loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, and they had a shared history together. Verse 2 tells us that it was this Mary who anointed the Lord with oil, uh, with ointment, and wiped His feet with her hair. And this was a strong friendship as well. Uh, Verse 3, the sisters sent to Jesus saying, Lord, He whom you love is ill. Jesus speaks to reassure them in verse 4, when Jesus heard this, Jesus said, this sickness does not end in death. And in the context of Jesus' ministry in the Gospel of John, the meaning of this sentence seems pretty clear. These are words of promise. This sickness will not end in death. These words fill us with hope. We expect Jesus to go and to heal this man. But instead, we read in verse 6 that when Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. In fact, it's not until verse 11 to 15 where Lazarus is dead that Jesus decides to go. It will take four days And the Gospel writer John, 37 verses for Jesus to get to Lazarus. It's strange, isn't it? It's a unique story, it's a beautiful story, but it's a strange story. Why does Jesus delay? Why does He wait? I mean, His power to heal was so well known. Three times in this chapter, Jesus is questioned about his delay in relation to his known power to heal. Martha says it in verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary says it in verse 32, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And the mourners said in verse 37, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Everyone knew. He could have healed. 
other people had experienced his healing, and everyone knew that he could have come. Other people had made the journey themselves, verses 18 and 19. But Jesus didn't come, and he didn't heal. So where is God when it hurts? Why didn't God show up? Why didn't he intervene in their suffering? You see, things could have been different. Why did Jesus delay? Why did he wait? We, we might think that his motivation was one of self-protection. Certainly, that's what the disciples think there in verse 8, that they said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Referring to what had happened in chapter 10, verse 31. And Thomas, well, he's a bit of an Eeyore, isn't he, in verse 16, but a little bit fatalistic, not so much doubting Thomas here, but doomsday Thomas. Thomas calls the twin, uh, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, well, let us go, that we may die with him. He thought the game was up. But John, I think, includes these conversations to clear the decks, to show us that it wasn't uh, for this reason, it wasn't for self-protection, it wasn't for personal safety that Jesus delayed. Have a look at verse 9. Jesus is quite confident there, isn't he? He answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. He's not worried about uh, saving his life. He's confident. So why did Jesus delay? Well, the reason is given to us there clearly, isn't it? In verses 5 and 6. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus so. And so much hangs on that word, doesn't it? So, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. In other words, Jesus' delay was not an accident. Jesus deliberately delayed two more days. He turned up late on purpose. Jesus intentionally didn't move an inch. It wasn't because he was afraid of the Jews. It wasn't because he didn't realize the gravity of the situation. It wasn't because he was indifferent. And it wasn't because he was powerless to do anything about it. No, Jesus knew very well what he was doing. But the surprising thing is that John calls this love. Doesn't look much like love to me. And I'm sure it didn't feel like love to Mary and Martha. But God's timing is no mistake. His delays are his designs, and they are calibrated in love. Why did he delay? Because he loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. Love made him wait until Lazarus was already dead, verse 14. Love made him wait until Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days, Verse 17, love made him wait until the funeral had already begun 
in verse 18 and 19. And love made him wait until decay had set in and there was a bad odour in verse 39. That's why Jesus was sad when he did arrive. It may be the shortest verse in the Bible, but it's not without significance, is it? Verse 35, that when Jesus saw Mary weeping, he too was moved. He's not stoic or stiff upper-lipped. He doesn't rebuke her or try to cheer her up. He chose to turn toward her pain, to yield to the loss, to enter into the sadness and give himself to grief. Sorrow is not sinful. Jesus had emotions and he wept. He was human. Isaiah says of Jesus many years before that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted, he was familiar with our grief. It's interesting, you know that scene in the Gospels where Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, who do people say that I am? And uh, most of the Gospels say, well, it was maybe John the Baptist or Elijah come back from the dead or one of the prophets. But Matthew mentions that somebody suggested he might be Jeremiah. But why Jeremiah? What was it about Jesus that looked like Jeremiah? He was the weeping prophet, wasn't he? He, he wrote the book of Lamentations. Something about Jesus, the one who all our sorrows shares. He he knows what it's like to lose a loved one. Two two times we're told here, verses uh, 33 and 38, that Jesus was deeply moved. wave after wave, it seemed, of grief crashed upon him. He was moved. The word used here is is also used of a horse, snorting. There's um, perhaps a, a picture here of Jesus' anger and outrage as a response to death. He was deeply moved. Some people dismiss this. They say, well, yes, but of course he knew all along what he would do. That's to miss the point, isn't it? This response to loss is natural, it's powerful, it's legitimate, it's human. It sends a signal that something is desperately wrong in our world. It acknowledges that there is a tragedy in this situation. So if Jesus really did love Mary and Martha and Lazarus, if He really was moved to sadness, to tears... Why, why was he, look at verses 14 and 15, it's, why, why was he glad? Glad that he was not there. Verse 14, then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I'm glad that I was not there. He was sad when he was there, but when he, was, he was glad that he wasn't there. Why did Jesus wait? Well, the answer is in verse 4. This illness, Jesus says, does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, 
so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. The reason for his loving delay was a glory display. Jesus says these words that no one else has ever said. Verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Well, perhaps anyone could have said that. But Jesus goes on to prove it, doesn't he, in verse 43. When he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The strange irony of this story is that Lazarus' resurrection was the catalyst to Jesus' own death. That's where this story heads at the end of the chapter. People say that a magician should never reveal his tricks. And Jesus was no magician, and this was not a trick. But Caiaphas gives away the mechanism for the miracle. Did you know that? At the end of the chapter, verse 50. How was it that Jesus could call this man back to life? Verse 50. Nor do you understand that it is better, this is Caiaphas speaking, it is better for you that one man should die for the people. How was it that Jesus was able to call a sinner back to life? Death clings to us in our sin belongs to us. We earn it, we merit it. We are born into a sinful world. We ourselves are sinful. Death is a consequence of sin. How is it that Jesus could call a sinner back to life? Well, the mechanism for the miracle is that Jesus himself would lay down his own life as a substitute for sinners. A righteous life for a sinful life. And so he can say, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. I was going to argue, I was going to have 10 points this morning, but I thought that might be a bit daunting. 10 points why this is a surprising chapter. It's a very surprising chapter over and over again. It, it, it hits us in ways we don't expect. But John doesn't want us to be surprised. He said back in chapter 5, don't marvel at this, don't be surprised, don't be shocked, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. John doesn't want us to be shocked, stunned and amazed by the miracles of Jesus. He wants us, what does he want us to do? 
He wants us to believe, doesn't he? That's what he tells us at the very end. Jesus did many other signs, but these are written. I've collected these set of signs for you. These ones are written so that you might believe. And that believing you might have life. Life in his name. And you can see it in this chapter, verse 14. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead for your sake. I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. The one who believes in me will live though they die. Verse 40, Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Verse 42, I said this for, your, uh, for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Verse 45, therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. You might say, well, I do believe. Do you? Seemed like Martha believed. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. You see, faith is not believing abstract things about God, what God can do, nor even what God will do. Faith is trusting in the person of Jesus for your present crisis, isn't it? Don't measure God's love by your present circumstances. Measure God's love by His stated purpose, by the cross of Jesus, and by eternal outcomes. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper today, and I want to read to you a chapter, or part of a chapter, from 1 Thessalonians. I used to think that this chapter was the chapter that people went to to debate the different Christian views of the second coming of Jesus. But it was read to me in a time like this, in a church like this, and I realised that it was actually written with a pastoral heart to encourage God's people. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, and remember the very uh, last words there that we say, that we do this till He comes. And this chapter speaks into that, 1 Thessalonians 4, and you might hear the same voice here, watch for the same voice that called Lazarus out of the tomb. This is 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. But we do not, Paul's writing to the the Thessalonian church, he says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since 
we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command. There it is. With the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet sound of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Use these words to encourage one another. On the night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you, as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you for giving us this last sign in the Gospel of John. We thank you for Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life. We thank you that we do not need to grieve as those who have no hope, but we look forward to your voice of command. Father God, we thank you that you have given us not just your word, but you've given us this Lord's Supper to remember. Jesus, His body broken for us, His blood shed for our sins. We thank You that because He died, we can live. Help us to trust Him in this present circumstance. We pray that as we feed on Jesus, even as we partake of this physical bread and drink on this juice, we pray that You would feed us and strengthen our faith in Jesus that we might be His witnesses, that you, we might love Him and serve Him all the days of our lives, that we might look forward with hope as we pray, come Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for our latest sermon, or better yet, join us live at 9.30 or 5pm Sunday. You can find all the details on our website at tpcc.org.au.